podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey everybody, this is Barca Talk. I'm Brian Henderson. Welcome to the show. I'm coming at you from Barca Talk Central Command in Buffalo, New York. And joining me is our Gule in Madrid, Gabriel Quiroga. Gabriel, how's it going there in Madrid? Brian, I'm doing well. I'm surviving the heat waves, the multiple heat waves here in Madrid, but overall doing well, uh, just working and looking forward to talking about our team Barcelona. Yeah, you've been teaching all day, right? It's evening there and you've been teaching all day, yeah? Yeah, it's 7 o'clock local time, so after this, I'm probably going to pass out. (laughs) And somehow try and keep cool. (laughs) Yes, and try to stay cool as well. It's been really hot there lately. How, How is it today? Uh, today's actually been pretty nice. Uh, actually, the weekend was nice, but last week we were up in 44 degrees, which is like 103 or something like this. Ouch. But if, for anyone that hasn't been in Madrid, we don't have much trees in the street. So at nighttime, it's really hot. Uh, fortunately, on my street, I have trees. So my piso, my floor at night is okay. Okay. But, yeah. How high up off the ground? What floor are you on? I'm I'm on the second floor. Okay. I'm on the second floor. So yeah, so not not too bad. No. I used to live on the attic that was on the seventh floor. That was brutal. That was yeah, because all brutal. the heat just gets trapped up in there. Exactly. Wow. Okay. Well. Uh, well. Again, thanks everyone for uh, checking in with Barca Talk. We're doing a short one today. Uh, we're going to be putting out a couple of preseason episodes once the uh, Spanish Cup is over and La Liga has begun. Then we're going to be coming out like clockwork every Monday. Until then, we're playing it a little loose, uh, coming out every couple of weeks. And today, we're going to be talking about this uh, this recent dust-up with Neymar and a possible move to PSG. Uh, we're also going to talk about the, the Barcelona-centric newspapers and the Madrid-centric newspapers and just papers in uh, Spain in general. And our first glimpse of Barca is our going to be our main topic I think our first glimpse of Barca in the Valverde era the preseason game against Juventus so uh, let's get into the show Now, for anyone who hasn't heard, it would seem that Neymar is or was in some pretty advanced stages of signing a deal with PSG, and that deal would have the French club paying Neymar's release clause of 222 million euros. And I had seen reports that he wants to stay in Barcelona, but apparently his father is really the driving force here. And then on Saturday, Piquet uh, put out this picture on Twitter or Instagram. It was a pic of him with Neymar, and the, and the caption just read, he stays. Now, do we trust that? I don't know. So, Gabriel, what is going on with this? So, I think that we should trust it, because Piquet is, quote-unquote, now the president, uh, the unofficial official president of Barcelona now. Uh, I don't know what you're feeling, but I love Piquet. I, I feel like... I'm so biased towards him. He could do no wrong for me. So when I, you know, it was, it was I texted you last night that photo. Actually, the, the photo came out last night. And um, I was just laughing. I just, I love when PK takes charge like this. Um, it's crazy. On the social media front, on that, just on that one picture, it had more than 854,000 likes and more than 38,000 comments. I mean, that is insane. So that just that's, tells you. That's big. Yeah, that just tells you. 
both Neymar PK and how many um, Barcelona fans there are out there. But like when we talked about this um, uh, before, is it a rumor or not? I mean, I definitely think it's stronger than a rumor. Uh, I think that uh, Neymar has been trying to get out of Barca. He wants to make more money. He wants to be the star, the sole star of a team. And with Messi on the team, he's not going to be able to achieve that. Uh, unfortunately, I thought that Neymar loved Barcelona. I thought uh, it's a good fit for him, both you know with uh, Messi and Suarez being there on the field and also the environment of Barcelona. Um, Paris is a totally different city than Barcelona. It's, uh, I think Barcelona is pretty relatable. Uh, nice city for a Brazilian, you know, beach, uh, casual, nice. Uh, Paris is a totally different city. Plus, he doesn't speak French, you know, so we'll we'll see about that. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? What do you do? You think he's going to leave? Uh... Well, I hope he stays. Um, and at this point, what what always makes me nervous is that he he himself hasn't even said anything publicly about this. Uh, there's just a lot of other people saying things about it. I mean, even this. This picture from PK, I mean, I guess in a way it's almost more reliable coming from PK because like you said, I love him too and I trust him and I feel like, oh, PK wouldn't do that if, if that wasn't, you know, legitimate. But it just makes me wonder, like, are there other things going on behind the scenes that even PK doesn't know about? And is Neymar lying to his face? Uh, who knows? Um, he's Neymar's a great player and I don't know, like at this point, I, I just don't feel like as a person, not that it really matters, but I don't feel like I can necessarily trust him. I guess the the only big thing is for me is that like the manager can trust him and the players can trust him on the pitch. That's what's really important. It doesn't actually matter that much if I can trust him or not. But but these are definitely some questions that come up, right? Yeah, definitely. And, and like you said, um, will they trust him? I mean, what I've read over the weekend is that Messi, Suarez, PK... Uh, have all had like one-on-one talks with him to try to convince him to stay and ask him and question him. And I feel like if he is feeling this way, then obviously he kind of really wants to go to PSG. And I'm kind of wishy-washy on this. I kind of want the money and just let him go. If he's, you know, if he doesn't want to be at Barca, then don't be at Barca. Like I don't want players that don't want to stay here and, and be there. But also he's a top three player. And so <laughs> I don't know, though. I mean, like, yeah, you're kind of right. If he doesn't want the very good money that Barcelona are giving him, if he doesn't want to be part of a legendary team, which if he stays, he will be. If he goes to PSG, he'll just be like a star on a good team. You know, but so if he doesn't want to be part of a legendary team, that's his business, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that like he, you know, is he, he's really he's willing to go to PSG playing a terrible league. Um, yeah, he's going to be in Champions League and he could, you know, potentially be a Ballon d'Or winner because he's going to be scoring so many goals in Ligue 1. But again, like uh, in the talks of history of greatest players, people won't have the same weight if he would have stayed on Barcelona. I don't know. I would, again, what are his goals? Is his goals just to be a Ballon d'Or winner? Uh, I, I mean, that's what it's looking like. Well, OK, so one last question about this. How is his dad involved? Like what, how, what's the influence of his dad in this? Yeah. So his dad's like his agent. So his dad is the one that's making and pulling all the strings behind. And of course there's always been the tax evasion problems that's happened in the last couple of years with Neymar and his dad. And then also at the beginning, uh, how Barcelona signed Neymar, there was a lot of shady business going on. And of course we talked about in a, in a previous episode, or I think you did, uh, Sandra Rossell, the previous, uh, um, president is now facing charges because of those things. And so 
just dealing with Neymar's dad, I just it's just a nightmare. He did this last year. He got his son an extra contract extension. I don't know if it's just purely money. I mean, so I don't know all their motives. And again, like you said, Neymar isn't saying anything, so we don't know what he's feeling. Yeah, it's such a weird uh, kind of situation, and it, it draws a lot of attention away from what we really want to be talking about, which is football, you know? Exactly. <laughs> that's what I don't like about all the off-season stuff. Exactly. Because that's all you get. But at least, you know, uh, we're going we're gonna to touch on this. Uh, well, we're going to get into it, actually, uh, later on at the end of today's show because there was actual football that happened and we get to talk about real football. But I think it, with this situation, you know, either way, the whole thing is just really unnerving. It, it really shakes things up. And um, ultimately, I do hope that this, this cools off and he stays. And I hope he stays for a long time without any more of these, uh, I'm going to call it, I'm going to call it shenanigans. I would say shenanigans. I was shenanigans too. So moving forward, though, and it kind of segues pretty well, the way that stories like this and all of the football news is covered in the Spanish newspapers is um, very different. Uh, you know, you got different different papers in different cities, and uh, you got your Barcelona-based papers and your Madrid-based papers. And since, Gabriel, you live in Madrid, you live in Spain, you can tell all of us, like me, who lives here in the U.S. and our U.S. listeners, what that's like, like dealing with the different attitudes in the press between those those two big cities. Yeah, so for anyone that has been here in Spain, the newspaper culture is still a strong, uh, viable industry here. Uh, obviously not as strong as it used to, but it's still um, a very powerful uh, tool here used for football news and also for breaking news as well. Uh, so here, every street corner has a newspaper kiosk, so you can buy newspapers. Uh, and there's really basically four main newspapers. There's two from Barcelona, which are Mundo Deportivo and Sport. And from Madrid, it's AS and Marca. And those are the two, uh, those are the four uh, main newspapers. Now, each one has their different point of view, obviously. So the Madrid papers are always going to be pro-Madrid, pro-Atletico Madrid, and Barcelona is always going to be on the back page. So when you look at the paper, the first 10 to 15 pages are going to be on the Madrid teams, always. And then the back ones are going to be Barcelona. And of course, the Barcelona papers are the opposite. <laughs> now, for example, yeah, exactly. And so uh, this is just goes down to when you get your news and you follow on Twitter, depending on who's Breaking that news depends on the point of view. So like last night with the PK uh, picture with Neymar, the Barcelona newspapers were tweeting like, hooray, he's going to stay, all this stuff. But the Madrid newspapers were tweeting out, for example, like, oh, Neymar's dad's still in Paris. So what does PK know and all these things? So it's really interesting. Like I was giving the analogy um, before to you about like the Wall Street Journal uh, being a Red Sox only team right. coverage. And then um, the New York Times, or actually, let's say New York Times doing the Yankees all the time. And then the Wall Street Journal doing the Boston Red Sox. So you can get those newspapers anywhere in the U.S., Yeah. Um, let's say, and then you get your local newspaper. But everyone reads the top four newspapers because that's what they want to get their news. They dedicate, they have the most resources to those things. And so that's what people read. Now, are there are there any like political overtones to these the, these different papers? Definitely. I mean, there's definitely political overtones. So obviously, uh, Madrid being the capital, um, and of course, Barcelona trying to always get their independence. So that also plays into another uh, facet of this uh, rivalry that keeps going. So it's not only city rivalry, also demographic, also uh, socioeconomic, uh, political, it's just uh, history. There's so many things going on that, you know, in a normal rivalry in the States, it's just cities. Right. 
right? You know, like when you talk about New York and Boston or Pittsburgh and Baltimore, you're just really just talking about my city against your city. It's not talking about, oh my God, you guys are liberals and we're conservatives and that's, you know, it's never like that. So. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah, here it's just all about civic pride. Whereas what's what the way it shakes down in Spain is it's almost like if you were to imagine that, uh, you know, there was a, if there, if there was a sports rivalry between a team from Georgia and, and a team in Boston in like the 19th century during the Civil War, it would be almost like or just after the Civil War, it would be almost like that. <laughs> exactly. So not only is there like the city rivalry, but also there's the history. Like when I first came to Madrid, like people would ask, you know, what my team was. And I would be like Barcelona. And they're like, oh, what are you, independent? You know, you're trying to get like, I was like, what? No, I like Messi and this. And they're like, oh, do you know that? You know, and they would explain to me. And I was like, that never occurred to me, you know? So that's just a different uh, way of, and that happens here. A lot of teams with the European teams, like, I had a friend of mine from Rome. Lazio and Roma are the same way. It's political and the city. It's crazy. So that just gives more passion and craziness to it. So, yeah. Do you find that uh, any one of them is particularly vicious in their uh, in their criticism of the other, of like any of the Madrid papers are especially vicious towards Barcelona or vice versa or anything like that? Oh, yeah. They always are. That's how they get the headlines. <laughs> You know, so, so for, there is a great example. Cause when I was like, I was trying to, I was trying, I always forget which, which papers are which, right. Cause I always go by the kiosk and I just kind of go by whatever. But, uh, when, when Barcelona beat PSG in the, in the remontada last year, they showed the two papers from Barcelona and it's like, you know, amen, Neymar, you know, all this stuff. And then the Madrid papers, like the main page was the referee <laughs> not calling something, you know? So that just gives you how it is. Right. And it's funny. It's funny how the different points of views, you just, right. I'm not used to it because in the States we have so many, you know, journalism is supposed to be independent. It's not supposed to be biased and all this stuff. And here they just, they just don't care. Well, uh, yeah, that's really interesting. And I think, you know, later on uh, we should definitely do a segment about just in general, what it's like for you being, and any of your friends who are Barca fans living in Madrid, like, uh, I don't imagine anyone is like violent towards you, but it's you're probably not always feeling like the most welcome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, it's it's actually I've never had a problem. I've always, especially like when I go to watch the Classico and stuff. I've never had an issue. It's usually been pretty friendly um, at the bars here. But obviously, if I went closer to the stadium of the Madrid stadium, obviously wouldn't be. I wouldn't do that. But in my neighborhood, it's pretty, it's pretty tame. It's, it's friendly, you know, so. Well, let's, uh, let, let's, yeah. that's interesting. And I think we're going to keep talking about that. That's probably going to just sort of be part of our ongoing conversation. Uh, that's what's so great about this show now that we have you contributing to it because you, you can give us the, uh, the reports from on the ground. <laughs> sure. I can be the, uh, the field reporter here, right? Or the wartime reporter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're our correspondent, yeah, yeah. but, but let's talk about the match. Cause that's our, that's our big finish for today. The big finish for today's show is that we actually got to see our team in action for the first time under the leadership of the new manager. Uh, so Barca played Juventus, uh, just last Saturday in East Rutherford, New Jersey, which is just across the New York state line. And it's a stone's throw from New York City. Uh, one of the big New York City uh, professional teams plays there. I forget who. Um, but it was a much better game than I was expecting, actually. You know, a lot of these preseason kind of warm-up games, they're taking it easy. They're not... I mean, I, mean, I think they are taking it easy, but they're just trying to get fit. But this actually looked like a real game. They both really came out to play. 
Um, so, Gabriel, you're our resident tactical analyst. Uh, what did you think? How did they look? Yeah, I think they looked really good. Um, I know it's just a preseason game, so always you you know you probably take twenty percent or thirty percent of what you saw and can extrapolate it. But I think it's a good good start. Um, they started in a four three three, which we talked about in the previous episode if they were going to stay in that or not. But I think what Valverde did, um, he went back to the roots of trying to get the ball back. Uh, the midfield was way more organized, which led to the defense being way more organized. So anytime Juventus got the ball, they lost the ball, and Barcelona was on the counter and able to do a lot of things. Um, for me, I really like seeing the high pressing. I think that uh, suits us best as opposed to trying to be more defensive. Um, what did you see in the game? Uh, very similar things. I was I was trying to really keep an eye on how the uh, formation shifted. And uh, yeah, like you were saying, the midfield was so much more organized, uh, particularly the uh, the fullbacks, you know, in possession. The center backs would spread out and both the fullbacks would be coming forward. I thought... Uh, I thought Marlon Santos was doing a great job in center back. And of course, Umtiti is looking good like he has been. And um, the new signing, Semedo, was playing on uh, right back, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, by the way, I love Umtiti. He's got such a bright future. He's, man, he is young, fast, and he's smart. He's strong. I mean, he's like almost your perfect center back for Barcelona. But, he really uh, is. Yeah, he looked, he looked really good. Um, also, like... I don't know if you, like a couple times I was really trying to notice, I, I mean, it really looked like the team was moving together all the time, like left and right and up. And obviously when they got the ball, you know, they have that creative flair, flexibility, independence that they can use. And again, like we were talking um, before about uh, Valverde. I mean, is he going to give Barcelona so much more of a tactical advantage now? Because he had so much uh, years of experience trying to exploit the 4-3-3 he knows where the holes are so he can hopefully stop, uh, you know, when we have big matches and try to, to fill those gaps. I mean, I'm hoping... Right, yeah, he knows how to break it down. So that means he he also, in theory, knows how to fix it. And we were also talking the other day about um, uh, how, yeah, you've mentioned this, but how since Valverde had managed at Bilbao for such a long time, he had a, you know, he, for many years he had a good team, but they weren't, Barcelona level team and he still got good results even against Barcelona but the way he had to do that was through you know doing his job of managing the players um, coaching handling the tactics and having a good strategy for how you were going to tactically beat them and he was never one to just throw 10 players behind the ball against Barcelona he always had Bilbao coming after them so you take all of that skill all of that know-how that he's developed over the years and you apply it in a situation where you have some of the best players in the world including the single best player in the world and hopefully the results are going to be staggering yeah and you know i love heat maps and so i was checking out the heat map of this game and it's a perfect x so there's a perfect x a red x in like the middle of the field and i have never seen that in a long time so that just tells you that they were running perfectly in in unison Messi was in the center, most of all, doing the playmaking, which I think is going to be brilliant. Um, I just don't understand why it's really a 4-3-3. Just put Alcacer or Neymar and Suarez at the top and let Messi just playmake. And then when you have the midfield, like Rakitic was playing really well, and the, and the midfield is so organized, it, it, 
I mean, there's no stopping. I mean, we have we can we can definitely win La Liga and have a good run in the Champions League with that type of style. Yeah, and that's another uh, good thing about Messi is he is so tactically aware. Now, I mean, of course, he's been for years an incredible player on the ball, a fierce competitor. You know, he hates losing, uh, and he has magic in his feet. You know, he's he's been gifted by a genie with some kind of you know otherworldly magic in his feet and his eyes and his vision. But in the last few years, maybe last five years or so, he's really gotten more tactically aware, and so he can move around. So it, you can say that it's a four-three-three, but through the course of the game, that whole situation is going to just move and flow and go into different formations as uh, as situations arise. And I think, yeah, developing that kind of uh, telepathy between all the players so that they're all moving together and. And they're changing formation, you know, as needed. It, they were looking really connected. Like uh, years ago in, in the Guardiola era, I remember reading some uh, player from another team talking about how it's just so incredible to be playing against them because they all move like like if it were a video game. Like it's pre-programmed how the team all moves together. And we didn't see a whole lot of that during the Enrique years. And I think we're, de- we're going to start seeing a lot more of it now. And I think it's really encouraging because that kind of motion and that kind of group um, activity is going to make the difference uh, in games that last year we should have won and lost. It's going to make all the difference. Yeah, I agree. And so, I mean, it goes back to the whole thing of is Valverde just going to be, you know, better communicator, um, instill his philosophy, his tactics, his game plan better than Luis Enrique? If that's the case, then we're going to have a better season because the players are going to know what's expected of them. Uh, hopefully he has a better rotation so he can save the players for bigger games. Um, that's those, you know, I really don't care the formation he does. I just want us to be more organized and on defense, not giving up so many opportunities. Those are my two main points. And from this first half and a little bit of the second half, I know it's just preseason, but it looks promising for the season. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think most people would just want that. I don't I don't believe that too many people are that married to this 4-3-3 idea. Um, they, they really just want to see the team be organized, be disciplined, and be inventive and creative and, and win games, you know, pl- but still playing their way. And really getting organized is part of their way. It's not so much the formation as much as it's the principle of how they move together, how they deal with when they lose possession and how they get it back, how they maintain possession. Uh, I was watching the game and, you know, one of the commentators was saying towards the end how Barca were just kind of trying to uh, run out the clock. They weren't trying particularly hard to get a goal, but they also... Uh, weren't letting Juventus have the ball, which is exactly how Barcelona runs out a clock, rather than other teams who just hunker down and become defensive. That's not our way. So as long as we keep doing that, and if we get more or stay as as organized as they were looking in that game, then I, I think we're going to have a, a good year. I agree. And the other thing, too, that I was just thinking about is that uh, he was able to get better performances just in one preseason game from the whole team than Luis Enrique was ever going to do in three years. And so to me, that's also a promising sign. Like he was able to get Samper, who has been troubled. Uh, Luis, uh, let's see, Alba looked good. You know, he just had everyone else, you know, players that we kind of were on the fence about or younger players. And they all looked, they all looked um, comfortable. They all looked, they all knew what they were going to do. 
And so hopefully that'll bode well for games when we have to play in the in the Copa del Rey on a Wednesday night in some crazy city, you know, and he can use the B team yeah. and the players can have a uh, victory with no problem and just beat those teams. So that, that bodes well too for the rest of the season as well. Yeah, man. The more we talk about it, the, the more pumped I get. So we're both getting really pumped for this season to start. And uh, those preseason games are, uh, you know, they're good for the players to get fit, but then they're also good for us to, uh, to get started to, uh, getting worked up ourselves for the new season. And since we're uh, doing this show together now, this is our first year doing this together, this is also a good chance for us to uh, you know, work on how we, how we want to do the show. And so far, I think it's doing well. I agree. I think it's doing well. I, I like uh, having this banter with someone else about uh, FC Barcelona, for sure. Yeah, totally. Well, we promised you a short one, and we tried to give it to you. That is it for now. Uh, keep checking your feed for new episodes, and uh, find us on social media. You can follow the podcast on our multiple social media channels. You can find everything on our website, barsatalk.net. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Give us a follow on any of our social media channels to be updated when a new episode is going to be released. And leave a message on our voicemail line. That number is 716-795-2853. That is a U.S. number. Area code 716-795-2853. Leave us a message and we'll put it on the uh, the air, as it were. Uh, we're going to be back with another preseason episode soon. For now, this is Barca Talk. I'm Brian Henderson. I'm Gabriel Caroga. And thank you for listening, everyone. Visca Barca! Sports Social Podcast Network.